0: It's okay not to know, but for some reason, we almost feel like I should know the legal stuff. And no, you absolutely shouldn't. This information is not easily found. That doesn't make you less intelligent or less competent or less worthy of being a business owner. It's just a gap in your knowledge.
1: Hey everyone and welcome to the Money Makers podcast. I am so happy you've chosen to join me today. This podcast is for anyone who wants to make more money without leaving their integrity behind. I'm Ray Dodd, a money and business coach, and my very favorite thing is seeing those who have underestimated themselves or been underestimated by society make more money. I believe we owe it to one another to take the discussion around money far beyond manifestation and money blocks and to get into what's really holding us back from making more money. So let's dive into this week's episode. I have got such a treat for all of you today. The wonderful Ingrid Fernandez is joining me and I can't wait to share all her goodness with you all. Ingrid is a commercial lawyer. I'm going to let you explain what that means rather than me trying and just totally getting it wrong. But she swapped the big law firms for work with entrepreneurs and small businesses. How long ago now?
0: Well, I started my business just over three years ago, but I started with small businesses about four years ago. So when I had, just after I had my second baby.
1: It feels (laughs) like it was like, I keep saying this because Ingrid's been a client of mine on and off for like a really long time. And I remember saying to another client of mine (laughs) at the end of 2020, I was like, so you've been doing this, your business for like, what, two years, three years now? And she was like, no, I started at the beginning of the year. It's 2020. I feel like you've been like we've known each other for like 10 years but it's just that we know each other through 2020 she swapped that the big commercial stuff for working with small business owners about three four years ago and what's lovely about Ingrid's work is that she makes law easy stress-free and I dare I even say it enjoyable I remember when I started out and I'm sure lots of you will relate to this, who are listening, it was terrifying to me, all the terms and conditions, and what if I got it wrong? And it was one of those really big, like I would say money, and that stuff felt really terrifying, really terrifying. And then I found you. And in fact, I found you because you became a client. I wanted to tell this story. So... Ingrid was a client of mine. She joined... Did you do an e-course first, then join the group course? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. When she signed up for the group course, she went... We were in a room together because I used to do these day retreats back when we could meet people. And she put her hand on my knee and went, we need to talk about your terms and conditions. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, fair. That is fair. <laughs> I don't even know where I got those initial ones from. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, God, I'm hoping... First of all, well done for even clicking on the podcast episode, because I know that would have been probably a hindrance to me. But secondly, Ingrid's your person. She will not make you feel scared of it all. Welcome to the Moneymakers podcast, Ingrid. Thank
0: you so much. It's very exciting to be here, being a client and a fan and a follower. It's lovely to be on here.
1: Unfortunately, Ingrid's joined me on a day where I've got makeup in my eye and my eyes are... (laughs) Having an absolute meltdown, which is what partly what was making us laugh, because it just looks like I'm sobbing. <laughs> my eyes It does.
0: And it sounds like it. It sounds oh, no. like I've given you a legal beating before we hit record. <laughs>
1: <And now laughs> we're chudding through it. I think I just got a little bit of a foundation in my eye, because before we came on, I was like, oh, my God, I'm just going to quickly put something on. And clearly I've whacked it in my eyes. Tell us a bit about what made you decide to move from the corporate side of lawyering into The space you occupy now?
0: For me, I had just had um, my second son when I started the business. So before that, I'd had about two and a half years off because I'd had two babies and I hadn't gone back to work in between. And what I'd been doing before was working for an NHS trust and I had been negotiating commercial contracts for clinical trials, all very relevant. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, at the moment. You know, it was a really amazing place to work because I was actually part of something that was making a difference and, Mm. you know, it was amazing. It was really amazing to be part of. But on the flip side of that, after I had two young children, I just couldn't really see how I could make working how I had worked work with the way that I wanted to parent. And I know a lot of parents do it and I've got nothing but respect for anyone who can do that in employed work, I think, That juggle is just next level. Yeah. But for me, I didn't feel it was available for me then at that mm. point. But I also really missed lawyering. I just yeah. really missed the work. I miss thinking about that stuff. I missed helping people with that stuff. It's, you mm. know, it's really fun. That's why I started it. So it started really accidentally. It was. Literally, I was in Facebook groups. Yours was one of them, your free Mm. Facebook group back in the day, your first one. And I was just, I didn't know what I was going to do yet, but I was just helping people because they would be about to launch a thing and they're like, oh, I need documents. And I'm like, oh, I've just retrained to do that stuff with startups and fintechs and things. I can totally do yours. Mm. And I was doing it without charging anyone, just because I was seeing all these women who were trying to do things, but were feeling held back by the legal stuff. And I was like, no, no, don't let that stuff hold you back. I'll help you. Let's get on with it. And it was one of the really incredible women that I met in your group who I helped her and she was like, Ingrid, you can't do this for free. This is not okay. People need to pay you for this stuff. And I was like, no, no, this is fine. Because in my head I was just being helpful. And it was that nudge that literally got me into doing it as a business Mm -hmm. and, you know, working with people on a professional basis, not just being helpful in inverted commas. And I
1: love that. I love that somebody said that to you as well if I keep coming across this theme of how important it is that we sort our money stuff out so that things like that can happen I'm not blaming the people that received it for free beforehand like I get it but often that's tangled up in our like oh I can't pay for it I mustn't I'm not gonna be able to afford it but for someone to go look we need to be paying you there's an an element of not sacrifice but you know acknowledging that there's enough to pay someone to tell them up your prices charge it's so important. I love that. Cool. So I didn't know that you weren't <laughs> yeah. doing it already when we kind of like I probably did know that way back, but it was been, it feels like a long time. What kind of lawyer are you? What sort of stuff do you do?
0: So there are there are so many varieties. And even within commercial law, which is what I do, there are a cabillion other varieties right. in there. But essentially what I do is I've done all that niching down that people tell you to do and I focus in on the document. So Mm -hmm. what you need in order to run your business in a safe and compliant way and primarily people who do the e-com stuff, so working online online selling online, providing goods and services online. So just all of those documents, so contracts, terms and conditions, website bits and pieces, GDPR compliance, and that's pretty much it. I don't go into the fighting with people over documents. I don't do that kind of contract disputes. And I now have an amazing community of other legal consultants who have their own specialty. So Mm -hmm. I only really deal in that quite small area. So I really, it's helping people who are either about to launch or working in their business and just don't have the documents that they need to protect themselves and their business in place and help them get that sorted.
1: Yeah, there is a lot of fear around that stuff. What do you wish people understood? about the process
0: yeah you're right there is a lot of fear obviously you and I being who we are we could talk about this in so much depth around the patriarchy and the reason that you know so much of the information around the law is ring-fenced and we're on the outside of that fence rather than being on the inside and I'm talking really broadly just about women in general but obviously wherever you intersect there are going to be more fences between you and that information and I definitely acknowledge how hard it is for so many of us to to have any of that information available. So yeah. I think that fear, one of the things I would say about it is, and it's something you say a lot, It's not your fault that you're scared of it at all. This information hasn't been made available for a reason. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a reason that the people, when you look at the way the legal system is structured and in order to get the advice, it can be very expensive. It can be very time-consuming. It has to look a certain way. You have to go and sit in certain offices and dress a certain way. And it's got a very clear image of of who it's available to and how. Mm. And so where we're fearful or where we're reluctant or where we're also made to feel like that information's not for us, yeah, it's been very intentionally done. It is a certain way for a reason. Yeah, it's 100% not your fault if you feel fearful. But at the same time, things are changing. That's one of the amazing things about the internet and also the newer generations of lawyers coming through who are saying, actually, this should be available to everyone and it should be accessible and it should be at different price points for different people depending on what they need and let's just get rid of those fences because if you have to live by these laws, then you should be able to understand them. It should be yeah. that simple, you know. Yeah. So it really is changing but completely understand people feeling that fear and that reluctance and, and it holding them back. It's completely understandable.
1: Yeah. It's so prevalent as well. Like my husband recently got a text message, and I know you're in Australia at the moment, so but I know your government is as much of a shit show as ours. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, so yeah, but yeah, yeah. like, Boris is pretty out there now, isn't he? Now that Trump's gone, we're like really hitting it, we're hitting it hard. But my husband got a text message from the NHS track and trace app and he'd gone to meet a friend in London and they'd been in a pub that was really obeying the rules really socially distance, all table service Phil reconciles about 12 people in there but he got a text to say you've been near somebody with Covid because he tapped in when he went there and it took us I'm not kidding about an hour trawling around the different sites to figure out what he was and wasn't allowed to do because it's like kind of written not very plainly but it's that legacy of that legal speak kind of Filtering down, and we're both like we've both got degrees. We're both people who are like you know figuring stuff out's not hard for us. That's something that we're able to do. It took us about an hour. Granted, it was the morning, but because there were these different, <laughs> mainly we were like, do we have to keep our children off school? What's going on? <laughs> but it was like it was really unclear. And then friends of ours got a similar thing in a slightly different situation, and we were uh, they completely misunderstood again. Similar education levels, people who are normally able to figure stuff out because theirs was slightly different. And me and Phil had done like this hour's deep dive into COVID regulations. And Phil said they were like, it's a 35 page document or something. And it's just like, if you don't have access to these things, it's ridiculous. And I have said repeatedly, all we need is a flow chart. That's all we need. Yeah. With the COVID yep. stuff, like, just like, has this happened? Are you this person? Are you that? Are you that? There you go. This is what yeah. happens. And that would be so much more accessible. So it's so everywhere, isn't it? This kind of like yeah. keeping people out of the information they need and then blaming them that they didn't know it.
0: Absolutely. And look, just because it's so interesting you raise that because of the timing of things. So in Sydney, where I am in Australia, we've actually just gone into lockdown. Yeah, um, We're in week three, I think it is. And they're quite, they're quite strict lockdown. So the stricter that we've had in quite a while. And what we're noticing, not an expert in this at all, but what we're noticing is that there are different areas of Sydney. So Sydney is quite a big city. It's yeah. huge. And there, there are areas of it that obviously have higher concentrations of different ethnicities and nationalities. And there are certain areas that because of the way this information is disseminated, mm. it's not available or accessible to those people. It might be that then yeah. from non-English speaking backgrounds, yeah. it might be that they don't have access to smartphones that are going to give them all these alerts or that it, you know, when we first went into lockdown, I might get the details a bit wrong, but it was on a Friday and we found out on the Friday that at the end of that day we were going into lockdown. So if you don't have a smartphone that's pinging you these alerts and if you don't have you know the internet at home which a lot of people don't yeah where are you meant to understand that you are now not allowed to leave the house how will you know this it's so so
1: ageist as well isn't it like older people are far less likely obviously there's accessibility around being able to afford that stuff and then there's just like someone in their 80s is not going to be checking that in that way 70s even
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I I mentioned that when I was talking to my husband about it. I said, there's this area of Sydney that we're really familiar with because we've got family around that area. And it is, there's a, a big community of elderly people there. Yeah. And I said, how would they even know what they're not allowed to do? They don't have access to this information. And then the policing in that area is so much higher than it yeah. is in other parts of the city. Yeah, But these people aren't given the information to be able to comply. And then yeah. they're blamed for non-compliance. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. so frustrating. And again, it's just like you say, it's a legacy of that legal system where If you don't tick all the boxes to have access, well, too bad. It's just your fault for not complying. And here are the consequences. And that's awful. That's just. Yeah.
1: And we also know that if an elderly white lady seen out and about, she's probably going to be treated very differently. To somebody that looks different to her, too. She'll be let off in a way that somebody else wouldn't be.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's awful. It's
1: awful. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Honestly, I think it was Will Smith that said this, but it might just be that it got attributed to him in the way that everything gets attributed to people. Everything's attributed to Morgan Freeman these days. Have you (laughs) noticed? I keep seeing these quotes. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Morgan Freeman didn't say that. But Will Smith, I think, did say, like, I think it was about racism. He said, the world hasn't got more racist. We've just got cameras, we're just filming it. But the world does feel like we're recording this a couple of days after the World Cup final as well. So the world just feels like, I don't know, man, it's just relentless. So for those people that have that kind of very understandable legacy, and and I think it's really important to say as well that that will go from mistrust of institutions like legal institutions, the government, all of that sort of thing, but for very, very legitimate reasons, all the way to people who I think this is particularly true for women or people who've been socialized as female, that it's that thing of like I don't understand it, I don't understand it all. I'm going to look stupid because I don't understand everything. What would you say to them to do? I mean, other than just contact Ingrid, her email will be at the end of the podcast. But, <laughs> but in in the show notes, people in the show notes. But yeah, what 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 can they do about that? What's what's the important thing to face? Maybe in all of that
0: yeah so i think i would say the first thing to acknowledge is that it's okay not to know i think mm. there are a lot of areas in our businesses where i feel there are so many areas i think the legal bit's the only bit that i feel really confident and everything else i'm winging but mm. i think that in a lot of other areas of business you're not expected to know so i'm a lawyer and no one expects me to be good at marketing they yeah. know that obviously i know the legal stuff but the marketing stuff, I go to marketing experts. Similarly with accounting, I am not an accountant, I go to an accountant. But for some reason, we almost feel like I should know the legal stuff. And no, you absolutely shouldn't. This information is not easily found. It's not something that you know, when you're about to start a business, there isn't a whole lot of free available and also correct information. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of misinformation around. So the first thing to accept is that it's okay not to know. You don't have to be an expert in anything except the thing that's your thing. So for me, I had to accept, I don't know anything about marketing. I don't know anything about social media. You know, there are about 30 other things in my business I know nothing about. And that's totally okay when you're starting a business or even if you're five years into a business, you don't yeah. need to know the legal things.
1: Yeah. That doesn't
0: make you less intelligent or less competent or less worthy of being a business owner. Yeah. It just is what it is. It's just a gap in your knowledge. That doesn't mean anything other than you haven't learned it yet. Yeah. So I think just giving ourselves that space to be learning every mm. stage of your business as well is going to change where you are legally. So yeah where you are at the beginning and what you need in those first six months is going to be so different to five years in. Yeah, and that's yes. fine that you don't know what the differences are because that's not your job to know yeah, that. Absolutely. So I think coming at it with acknowledging that you don't know, mm-hmm. letting go of the fear because, you know, it's okay to be scared, but also it's hard to fix something when you're scared of looking at in the face. But if you can yeah. just acknowledge I'm really concerned about the legals and whether I'm doing the right thing. Once you can kind of acknowledge that, then you can just move on to fixing it. And whether that's working with a lawyer or whether it can be learning it for yourself. You know, I work with a lot of people who don't just want the document. They actually want to understand what it means. And I love being able to talk them through, here's what the clauses mean. Here's what the law says. Here's Mm. what you have to do here's what you can do if you want to and a lot of people they want that feeling of yeah I really understand it but other people don't other people just want to feel confident in their documents that they're secure Mm. and that's enough so it's really about knowing where you are in your business knowing what your you know what your knowledge levels are and just being really gentle with yourself you wouldn't expect a non-lawyer to understand this stuff so don't Beat yourself up for it. It's not your job to know it. You shouldn't feel guilty or feel less than for it.
1: And I think one of the things that isn't talked about a lot is that, like, because we think of, like, um, contracts and stuff as protection and all of that stuff, but it's also their boundaries, aren't they? Like, we have to hold so much information in our heads so often, but I know for me, and I haven't had a request for a refund for years, actually, and I think that's probably since I have more robust contracts in place so people can go and check what they've signed. And secondly... I know now if that does crop up well, I'll just like go back to my contract, what do I say? What does it say in my contract that is the process here? And that is such a, it's like a standard operating procedure is the way that it would be talked about in lots of industries. But like you look at your contract, like, well, here's what they agreed to at the time. And so you don't then need to decide like, oh, but are they having a hard time? Is there this? Is there that? Is there that? Well, no, they signed a thing. And so that's what it is.
0: Absolutely. This is, it's actually one of the things that come up with a lot of the people I work with. It's, you know, we're taught to see contracts as really restrictive or combative or something mm. negative. It's the opposite. It's yeah. the opportunity for you to one, have a really transparent relationship with your clients. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah, It's an opportunity for you to put your boundaries into place about how you work and how you don't work as well, you know, yeah. all the things you don't want to do. Yeah. And it also sets out for the client what they have to do and what they can't mm. do. So actually, it's just, it's the opposite of what it's been sold to us as rather than being this awful thing that makes things formal and uncomfortable. It actually just allows us to be more expansive and to relax into that relationship because we both know what the boundaries are. We both know what our expectations are. We both know how to get out if things go wrong. So you can relax into it. You don't have to hold yourself so tight and think, oh, what do I do? What if, what if, yeah, you know, you've yeah. got it all there in writing. You don't have to worry about it until yeah. you need it.
1: Exactly. And it's been the couple of times I don't, it hasn't come up about a refund and I can't think what it was. Maybe it's me checking other people's contracts, but it's so nice. Cause I know in the past, yeah, I think it has been, I might've been doing a, a program or something and I've been like, oh, I don't know if I want to carry on with this. And I go and check and go, oh, well, you know what? I signed that. So that's what's happening rather than going, oh, do I approach them? What do I do? Like, it's just there, it's there in writing. That's what I do. Yeah, it's really brilliant. So how does it feel (laughs) to be like I feel like and I've always felt this with your work that you are gently because it's not in an aggressive way at all, but you're really disrupting the industry, as as you said, as are some other lawyers that are kind of coming up the younger lawyers and doing things differently. Like we think we might think of disrupting an industry being like aggressive and like, you know, we're, we're, I'm, I'm really different, but actually you're like the opposite of that in that, that you're the more gentle <laughs> person, that it feels it feels less scary to go to and talk about that stuff. How has that felt though? Because you're still disrupting it. You're still, what's the word? I can imagine, and I might be wrong, it could feel quite lonely in that place does it ever feel lonely in that like disrupting of it and doing things differently?
0: So to be honest, I've I've never really thought, I think because like you say, the term disruptor is given so many different, you know, filters. and And I think for me, the way that I perceive disruption is very much in that kind of bro tech yeah. space, you know, so I've not, I've not associated with it. Not that I think it's bad or negative, but it's just never felt like that's for me. But I will take that 100% and I love it. I can honestly say I'm really moved to think that I'm changing anything in my industry because I love the law. Mm-hmm. I know that it's imperfect and I'm not going to get up on a soapbox. I know there's so much wrong with it. You know, I'm yeah. not going to pretend that it's perfect and flawless. It's so messed up. You know, mm-hmm. it's there's so much wrong. But at the same time, it's made up of people who are a lot of the times trying their best and we're trying to do things for for people so that they Mm. can do their best. You know, Mm. in a lot of cases, that's what brings us to the law. We want to help people and we want to do things differently. Mm. So I love it for what it is while seeing it also for what it is. But to be honest, and this is something that has 100% come from working with you and, and sitting in the space of plenty in that When I started out, and not at all to say I was the first legal consultant, I absolutely wasn't, but I was the first one that I had seen in my space. There wasn't a lot of people in my bubble doing it. And at the beginning, it felt lonely in that I just, because I wasn't seeing anyone else doing it, automatically I think, well, am I doing this right? If no one else is doing it, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Yeah what's happened since then and especially since I niched down into what I want to do and then built this amazing network of other predominantly female legal consultants in other areas who Mm -hmm. were just geniuses in their space of law and now I feel like it's not lonely because we've almost got this little community that's Mm -hmm. ever growing we're constantly pulling more lawyers in and we're referring each other work, we're jumping on Zoom calls. I've got a podcast as well, and I'm actually talking to another lawyer on my podcast. I've got one lined up and I've contacted another one because not only is there space for all of us, but we're all so needed because we yes. do different things, we speak about it differently. The way that I talk about the law isn't going to appeal to every business owner 100%. And so I definitely want to make these other lawyers available so that wherever you are and whatever appeals to you, there's a lawyer for you who Mm -hmm. can help you, Mm -hmm. who can take you to the next level, who can do those things for you. So, yeah, it did feel lonely at the beginning until I really embraced that I'm part of that community of change and now it just feels fun. I feel I love sending clients to someone who I know will do stuff better than me because that's not my specialty. And that's such a joy. Like, I love pinging people and saying, can I send someone to you because they need help with X and that's not my thing. That's just, I think that's very much for me an embodiment of plenty. There's just, there's so much in terms of knowledge to share and yeah, it's all there for all of us. So I love that. I love that community.
1: I was talking to my supervisor about this yesterday, about the difference between, like abundance and plenty. And I've done a whole podcast episode on it, but I could honestly do about 10 podcast episodes <laughs> on that topic. And one of the things I don't think I said in that episode is the thing with abundance is that often we can go grabbing after more abundance. Like this opportunity has arisen for me. So, for example, a client comes in, this opportunity of abundance has arisen for me. I could let me go grab that. Whereas when you sit back and you sit in a place of plenty, it is about giving up things as well. Like, I don't believe we can untangle the mess the world is in without the people who hold powerful identities and powerful roles, more powerful currently, um, societally, so very carefully, skin colours and genders and all of those things and gender presentations. I don't think we can do that without giving stuff up. And I think that plenty just coming from a place of plenty allows you to pass on that client. It allows you to go. I'm not going to do that speaking role because the panel is not diverse enough. Yes, I'm desperate to do speaking roles, but not there because there's plenty more coming for me. Whereas abundance feels like an opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. it feels like a yes. yes, everything's so abundant. Look at this opportunity that's come my way, but plenty's different in that sense. And that, that is so powerful, I think. Funnily enough, that you mentioned community. I'd written a question about community. So, on the face of it, community mindedness or just community in general, it's not something you think, oh, yeah, lawyers. They're so community-focused. It doesn't like, they're just not particularly connected. But community and the connections that that brings have played a massive part in your business. I I asked Ingrid's permission to say this, but Ingrid didn't have a website until, what, a few months ago? A few weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) And Ingrid's running like a successful money-making business really on word of mouth, right? And obviously Word of mouth comes from community. So can you tell us a bit more? And obviously you've just highlighted another aspect of community of surrounding yourselves with these like-minded people that's really like bolstered you, but also bolstered your business because you're all passing stuff on. So was it accidental, that community stuff? Is that something you've always done? Like how did that come about?
0: To be honest, it was completely accidental in the beginning because I, so after I had definitely after I had my first child, and then after I had my second as well, I was so lost in motherhood. I Mm. lost so much of myself. Mm. And I know that a lot of people are able to lose themselves in a positive way in motherhood, they can just kind of sink into that. And it's wonderful. And again, so much love for the people who have that. But for me, it wasn't a positive loss in that Mm. I just couldn't find myself. I just felt that I was in almost a cycle and they were two really young babies I had two under two and as much as I loved mothering I just I lost track of what I liked and what I thought and there was no separation for me I was the primary caregiver my husband worked a lot and so I just struggled I felt really alone and also I was living in London at the time I didn't have a lot of close family around. It yeah. just felt quite isolating. And so, the communities, there are two. One of them was your Facebook group, and the other one was doing it for the kids, another Facebook group. Mm. And I joined them not even thinking about the business side of things. I was just a person who was a mother and completely no idea how to make that work with working. Mm. And all of that, you know, it was just spaces where I could talk to people about not, not only parenting, about yeah. the other thing. And it was just being in those spaces and, you know, it's it sounds so cliche but really going through those similar things, talking to other mothers who were either at where I was or who were a couple of years ahead and could could say it gets better. It gets you know, better. Oh, my it, God, it yeah. Get, Yes. Just hearing that. It's different hearing that, you know, from people who don't have children who are like, oh, surely it'll get better. But when you hear it from another mother Mm. who has been through that and survived it and you can see them thriving and they turn around and say, this is the hardest bit, but it'll get better. So for me to have that from other women, I was seen in a way that I hadn't been in motherhood Mm in your Facebook group and in doing it for the kids, which I'm still a part of, I'm still friends with those people who were either at the same space as me or who were ahead and who, you know, reached Mm -hmm. back for us. And that was literally how it started. And it's from those relationships that I built my business. And something I just want to talk a little bit about, because you mentioned community, was I was, I think, four or five months into launching my business, So it was in April 2018, I think, that I launched my business. And in August 2018, that um, my mum got terminally ill. Mm. And so my business paused for five months. So because in that time, we flew back to Australia, cared for mum. We lost mum. I kind of sank into grief and Mm. couldn't really function. So it was about five or six months that I literally just broke off from my business and Mm. I wasn't doing anything. And when I came back into the world in terms of the bubble of our our business communities, Mm. what got my business running again was those communities who were like, oh, cool, you're back let's talk about what you do. Here are people who need you. And there was no, and I want to be really open about this. I didn't have any affiliate scheme or referral Mm. system, or there was nothing like that. This was just a community of women business owners who, who kind of held space for me to grieve and fall apart and then to come back to my business when I was ready. And they just supported me. They just stood with me and I can absolutely would not be in business today if it wasn't for those people if it wasn't yeah. for that community who when I came back and said oh I think I can work again I'm you know I need to obviously I need to but I think mm. I'm mentally able yeah. to and they're like okay cool we'll just start talking about you and that's literally what they did they would just tag me in posts or you know tag me on Instagram when people were yeah. asking legal things they would invite me to speak in their communities and. They just did this to help me and support me. So I cannot speak more highly of community. And I would not have a business, let alone a business that's successful. I wouldn't have a business at all without my community. So God, that that nearly made
1: me have a proper cry as you were saying that. And I think because we're so like on the kind of content creation train that you have to keep pumping out content pumping out content because the algorithm might forget you right if you don't post uh, often enough the algorithm won't show your stuff to people but what we forget is the humans that a you don't even need the algorithm for starters because the human beings have their own algorithm where they will not mention you when you can't be like contacted because you need some downtime and then they'll mention you again and up that algorithm you go that human algorithm but also we forget that the people behind the algorithm are humans and so Mm. you know if they see you know if you've got that community and people start to see and they start to share and tag you like those connections matter far more than if you're pumping out content day after day after day after day in case this technical thing forgets about you because human beings aren't going to forget
0: that's so true. And I have to say, I do I do all the things wrong in terms of not having a website. <laughs> I post on Instagram, gosh, like once every six months. I'll go through like a week where I'm very good and yeah. then I disappear I because <laughs> I just can't. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm not, again, I'm getting support in that space in terms of getting social media support. But for myself, I'm not a content creator and mm-hmm. I'm just, I have, amazing clients and where I have time to work I want to spend time working with them so I don't do any of those good things but because I have that community and I treat my community really well we all support each other I don't know if I got this from you or but it was a hundred percent in your group we talk about a wall of women yeah and and that's what I have I have this wall of women that we all are just in it together the ups and downs the absolute wildness of the past 18 months and we just we know like you say when people need to take a break we kind of we go a bit quiet when they're back we just plug their stuff and we share about it and refer them to people and get them talking about their stuff so having that wall of women i feel like whatever happens in my business i'm not in it on my own mm. and that is i think that is such a priceless feeling it's yeah, yeah it's very it's very helpful When things feel awful.
1: Yeah. And it's also like most of us, I know some people struggle with that kind of connection side. Most of us can do that though. Most of us, you know, you might, like you said about all the things you don't know about in your business, but we know most of us know how to, you know, make friends and it might look different. Like a lot of my kind of wall of women who live in a WhatsApp group. We often joke like we're none of us are small talk people. We are those people who you'll turn up to a party, like a dinner party or something. And we are asking you like these deep questions. Like we dive straight in and we're all those sorts of people. And that's how we make friends. That's how we make connections. And actually, that's what I've done in my business. Like I will talk about the things. It's one of the things with the legal stuff as well. It's like getting the elephant in the room out and just saying it. And I know that that works well. I connect with people when I'm in a a party situation, not that I'm ever in a party situation, not COVID related, just even before (laughs) I can't remember. (laughs) Uh, But even if I was, I'd be the person I'm in the kitchen or I'm on a sofa in the corner and I'm having a deep conversation with somebody and you can bring that out. Like it doesn't have to be these marketing tactics and all of this stuff. It doesn't have to be so premeditated a lot of it is just stuff you would do. Like I often say to my clients, like what happens when you're at a dinner party? What do you do? How do you, and, and don't get me wrong, I am, if I'm at a dinner party where I don't know people, I'm awkward. I'm not the person who goes in and is like, hi everybody, let's all be, like I, I'm not that life of the party person, but I find I normally, and you've heard me say this before, I say something slightly too honest to people and then see how they react. And if they react well, then we can chat. And if not, they'll just be like, "Wow, well, I'm not going near her again." She's <laughs> <laughs> that's totally what that's I how you do it. You weed
0: them out. Yeah, that's it. you weed out your people. Yeah, that is yeah. literally how I
1: run my business. <laughs> yeah, like, it is. I would say that is the core. That if you like ask me what's your marketing strategy, it's like I say things that are a little bit too honest, a little bit weird, and I either attract or repel people. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I think that's the thing that maybe when you're a couple of years, and I. I hope this doesn't sound condescending at all because at the beginning of my business, I had no confidence to do that. Mm. But a couple of years in, and I think the people who, especially, I you know, those clients who come back to me as their business changes and want to keep working with me, it's because, you know, I do get slightly too excited about, you know, GDPR stuff. You and- nerd
1: out and it's beautiful. <laughs> I do. Like you I go, really you're do. like, oh my God. And I remember like having a session with you and being like, wow, you are really excited. And it's, but it's lovely <laughs> because I'm like, okay, wow, this is amazing. You're so excited about GDPR. <laughs>
0: yeah, I do. I can't help it. So I really, you know, I nerd out about it and I get excited about getting people's documents sorted and giving them that peace of mind. And so for me, I've noticed the people who want to work with me are the people who want someone who's excited, you know, and who can give them what they need and and feel really good about that. You know, for me, it's not it's not about a tick box exercise or you do this, this, and this. Okay, here's what you need for me. I'm like, so what do you do? Tell yeah. me. How do you help people? Oh, my God, I love your business. And, you know, my discovery calls are terrible because I just <laughs> want to yeah. chat about their business. But yeah. that for me is as I've worked for longer and longer in this business, I'm realising that's actually that's the only way I can run my business because yeah. the people who just want a document that ticks boxes and to take that and go and have no interaction it's totally fine if you want that but you won't want that from me because I'm I'm not like that I can't give you that service with me you get chats and you get yeah a lot more personality and I think that is what comes when you do this longer and you realize actually it's okay to be myself in my business because of people will like that.
1: It's know. more than okay as well, isn't it? It's absolutely necessary. Like I actually, that clicked for me early on in my business. And again, I was talking to my, um, my supervisor about this the other day. I can't not do it. I am going to be too honest with you. I'm going to, and I'm saying too, like not too honest really, but like some people might feel it is. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to be human. I will not do anything if I put barrier of perfection in my way or a barrier of presenting myself in a certain way it will just lead to nothing happening nothing would happen because I can't do it like my humanness just pops out of my mouth without me Like I'll often be like oh my god like the stuff sometimes even on our coaching course so Ingrid's just finished a group coaching course with me and sometimes I'll be like why did I what what's wrong with me why would I say that but you're all normally like you all get it you're all like oh my god here Ray goes on one of her weird examples or one of her why is she oversharing like that it's the same as when I overshare with my family or with a friendship group it's just you know Ray does that sometimes and it's okay and it also
0: gives people that permission to do it as well you know to let out I think in that group and not to not to share anything that's too confidential but we had such a variety of women but I think we were all able to be quite vulnerable yeah because you know, a lot of us and not everyone, but I think a lot of us had really awkward moments where we would overshare what would, you know, what other people might deem as oversharing or would get emotional in a particular way or whatever Mm. it was. And as soon as you do that, everyone else goes, oh, okay, cool. I can be me in this space. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That is really freeing. And I think for me, I give that to people as well when they come to me with their documents. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, I just found this on the internet. I'm like, cool, it's better than nothing. Let's see what you've got. Let's start somewhere, you know. Mm. And I think it's that feeling because I find that exciting because I get to then play with documents. They can just relax. They're not going to be judged. They're Mm. not going to be because no one should be judging you in your business. And, again, I don't want to be all soapboxy, but... Do no it. one, yeah, <laughs> no one should be judging you for what you are or are not doing as long as you are doing no. your best. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. So yeah. similarly with your legal bits or whatever it is that you're a bit fearful of or not quite looking at, mm-hmm. that's okay. You're allowed yeah. not to look at everything in the face every yeah. single day. The time yeah. will come, you know. Yeah,
1: And I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, I know your website took longer, but most people get their website sorted before they get their legal documents sorted. Like, because it's easier, it's nicer. It feels more gentle. And yes, we we should get our legal stuff sorted first. Like we really should. But it's also, you've got to just follow your own process. Like there's no point adding shame on shame on shame. Hopefully some of you who haven't got yours, and I'm once we're done with this recording, I need to talk to Ingrid about an updating of all of my stuff. But like, and that's going to happen. But I hope that people can hear how approachable Ingrid is and know that either contact Ingrid or even contact her. And like she said, if she's not the right person, she'll put you in contact with somebody else. But really to do this thing, because I think also when there's a part of us that is blocking something that is really ignoring something that you get that when your head goes there and you get that panicky feeling of like, no, 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 no. I need to bury it deeper. I need to bury it deeper. Can you tell I've done that um, by how I'm viscerally I'm <laughs> able to explain it? But like it's bringing that to the surface and actually dealing with it will absolutely move your business forward. It will cost you money, but you will also make more money because you don't have that big ball of like it's almost like contraction. Like, Oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not a proper business owner. I'm no good at this. I'm no good at this. If you do it, what difference is it going to make? And I can tell you, I've done that in layers in my business, like accounts or definitely want taxes, legal stuff, insurance, all those sorts of things. Yeah. All I'm going to say is just do the thing. <laughs> just
0: do Yeah, it. definitely. Just start looking at it, you know, mm. start, Really gently be gentle with yourself but just start looking at it because then the more you can release, the less it's it's less heavy it'll feel on you. Yeah.
1: And if you're someone who has therapy, take it to therapy too. Like if you're finding yourself, I know like lots of people don't think of that. But if you're someone who's having therapy or planning on having therapy and you're putting off big things, people don't bring a load of their business stuff to therapy. But it's it's coming from other places when we do that. Like for mine, it was a deep fear of getting stuff wrong. And I do that nonsensical thing. And I don't think I do it as much now where I think I'm going to get it wrong. So I don't do it at all in case I get it wrong. And obviously, if you don't do the legal stuff and particularly if you don't pay do tax stuff. like <laughs> you're definitely going to get it wrong. Yeah. Like, and it'll
0: be so much more painful it will when be you so don't. So much have more painful. It. Yes.
1: Exactly. Yep. Okay. So, quick fire questions, which I ask to everybody at the end of every single episode. So, finish this sentence for me. Money is a means to freedom. Love that. That I think that's my answer too. Favorite book you've read recently can be any kind of book, doesn't need to be a business book.
0: Oh, let me. I can grab it. I'll show you because I think you'll be quite proud. <laughs>
1: Yay, it's burnout!
0: <laughs> burnout. So I I was quite reluctant in that, oh, I don't need this. I've been there, done that. I sorted myself after it. But oh my goodness, it was very eye-opening and impactful. Yeah, that was, that was a good one.
1: You know, I love that book as well. It's this only self-help type book. I've read a few business books that have done it and they are increasing, but it's the only self-help type book I've read that actually acknowledges, like has a feminist lens, an intersectional feminist lens on it and even calls out self-help books for that very thing, for not talking about it, And that which is just like more of those, please. My goodness. Okay. The impact of people who've traditionally been left out of making money, of money making, making money is? A
0: different world. I think not just... Not just for themselves and their family, which is enough, it mm. should be enough for them to be able to change their own lives. But those are the people who go on and change things for everyone else coming behind. So yeah. it is life changing and world changing.
1: Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. All right. Slightly, slight change of tack here. If you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be?
0: I've got an almost six-year-old, so I get asked these kinds of yeah. questions a whole lot. <laughs> so I'm I'm yeah. cool with this. So it's a little bit tricky and I don't want to get into too much sad stuff, but my mum used to make this very particular kind of curry. So she made like a chicken stew curry. We call them upham, but they're called hoppers. So they're these little mm. bowl. Oh, Ray, you would love it. It's like This rice flour little bowl and it's soft in the middle and then it's got this crunchy bit on the outside and you just dip it in curries and it's, oh, my God, it's so good.
1: That sounds amazing. They're so good. Look at my my face. (laughs) Your face. I've got this, like, I don't know what it is, confusion and awe. (laughs)
0: Yeah, look up hoppers because they're just, they're so good. Where do hoppers
1: originate from? Do you know? So they're Sri Lankan. Oh, and are they called so, hoppers in Australia?
0: Yeah, we we kind of know them as hoppers, but I think so. In my Indian background, we call them upham, but I don't know if people from Sri Lanka might have another name for them mm. that's their traditional name. Mm. But I think the Western name for them is generally hoppers. And they're yeah, I can't believe you've never had one. You're a food person. Do you know what?
1: I don't think I've oh my gosh, I think this is true. I'm no, trying.
0: don't say this. I don't know I don't if I can. I think I've hear had this. Sri Lankan curry. Uh,
1: I good know. Thing. I know. Well, that's the end <laughs> of all,
0: think, it. <laughs> yeah. It's been really it's good been. knowing you. It's been, it's been nice for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we had Sri Lankan friends when I was younger, but I don't think I have. Do you okay. know what? I can't tell you. When I moved here, the biggest sacrifice I made really was the takeaway food. It is terrible where I am. We've got Indian curries, but I'm using Indian generically on purpose because they're they're all right, but they're not. We don't even have Thai. We don't even have a good Chinese. Like, it's bad. It's really bad. Okay. <laughs> That's Let's just end <laughs> it. <laughs> I don't. I'll probably go downstairs and Phil will be like, you've totally had that. I, But I don't. I really don't. Anyway, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to go to London ASAP and do that. I'll, maybe I'll buy Phil a cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make any food. Um, okay. So, last bit. Best bit of money advice or business advice you've ever received
0: start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Mm. That's mine. So for me, it always just brings me back from when I get really overwhelmed by what I don't know, and what I can't do. And, you know, where the goals of what I want to do or achieve seem extremely far away from where I am at this point. It just brings me back to, it all starts with doing something now. So just yeah. do whatever thing you can and it gets you one step closer.
1: I love that. Thank you. Brilliant human. Thank you. That was wonderful. Always lovely to chat to you. Could you let people know where they can find you and what you do? Absolutely. So the, <laughs> the long awaited website, Woo-hoo! I talk about this so much
0: because <laughs> I have this amazing website designer who for three years has been building my website and it's literally just because of me. It's not because (laughs) of her. So it's felt like for normal people, a website, I know it's still a big deal, but it's not usually this big a deal. But for me, the combination of life events and then visibility issues.
1: I feel like whenever someone goes on and you could talk to Amanda about sorting this out for you, like it should do that thing where like confetti comes on and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) or like a (laughs) and they'd be like wow this person's really celebrating that I'm on their side be like you have no idea (laughs) that's an
0: excellent idea I think I will do that Um So, yes, the long-delayed the long website is www.deckanddash, so dot com, And on there, you can get in touch with me directly. You can book in a free chat if you just want to talk about where you're at or you have any questions. And also going live on there will be my template shop. So if you want documents but you're not ready to go down the route of getting them custom-made but you want to make sure you're legally secure, you can pop on and, yeah, get a template and pop that on your website and be good to go. So that's the best
1: place. Nice. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. And thank you to everyone for listening as well. Um, And I will see you, well, I won't see you, but, you know, we'll hang out in the next episode. Thanks, Ingrid. Thank you for listening to the Money Makers podcast. I'm delighted you could be here with me. If you liked what you heard, please do leave us a review. It makes all the difference in getting these episodes heard by more people. A huge thank you to Erin Maguire who edits these episodes. You can find her details below. And to my team who do all the hard work in getting this podcast to your ears. You can, of course, find me on Instagram at Ray underscore Dodd and in my Facebook group, also called Money Makers. Thanks again.